You, you don't want me to sing, I promise you. Good morning. It's so good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's good to have you with us. I know it's kind of one of those dark, gloomy days. Man, this is, this is the kind of day that was just made for staying in and sleeping late and all that good stuff. But you braved it all and came, and for that we are very grateful. So thank you for being here. I hope that you picked up a bulletin on the way in this morning uh, so that you can be aware of all of the announcements that are here. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. It's just a busy, busy time of year. Uh, of course, all of our Christmas activities actually begin tonight uh, with our a night in Bethlehem and hope that you will be a part of that. I, I know it, we, we say it's for children and it is but it's also for adults, and we want you to be a part of that. I hope that you'll come. A lot of hard work has gone into this. Appreciate uh, Lori and Nancy and all those who have worked together to, to put this together. And uh, thank you to the ladies who did all the costuming and, and sewing and things like that, and uh, others that have helped uh, put props together and put it, uh, set everything up. We appreciate all the hard work that has gone into this event uh, but that's tonight, and uh, it starts at 6 o'clock. Hope that you will come and be a part of that. Uh, and then you can look in the bulletin to see all the other things that are coming up. Uh, we just recently added the Ugly Sweater uh, Sunday. Uh, I'm kind of stoked about that one. I'm looking forward to it. i got to go buy me an ugly sweater or make an ugly sweater or something because I don't have one. But uh, I'm going to try to make sure mine's the ugliest one here, Okay. Uh, so I challenge you to beat me having the ugliest sweater uh, that Sunday. That's going to be in a couple of weeks. So be, uh, make sure you're aware of everything. Be alert on to everything that's going on in the weeks to come. Let's take just a moment to go to the Lord in prayer, uh, and then we will begin our time of worship through song. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, it's so good to be in your house on this Lord's Day. And, and uh, Lord, we thank you for the rain that you sent our way. Well, you know how desperately we needed it, and we thank you for every drop that has fallen. Uh, and Lord, it's your goodness and uh, graciousness toward us, and for that we are so grateful. But Lord, we are thankful that we have this day to come together, to, to worship together, to celebrate together. Uh, Lord, it is my humble prayer that each one of us, as we uh, have come into this building and sat in this room, and uh, as we begin to sing these songs, and uh, Lord, that we will open our hearts uh, and turn our hearts and minds toward heaven, that we'll be, we'll be ready to receive what you have for us today, that Lord, we, we pray the Holy Spirit come and just settle upon our presence here today, Lord, that we may bask in your glory and that we may understand and feel your presence as you move in and through uh, our congregation in our own personal lives. May today be a day truly uh, of worship when we ascribe to you the, uh, the glory, the honor, the praise that you are worthy of receiving. And Lord, we just want to tell you that we love you. We thank you for this season that we've entered into, uh, that we celebrate. We thank you for what it represents and means to us as believers. And we pray, God, that if there's anyone uh, in this place today that doesn't fully understand uh, and can appreciate that understanding of the real meaning behind Christmas, that today be a wonderful day when they meet that, uh, the Christ that was presented on that very first Christmas morning. 
Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. Guide us in our time of worship together is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to this first Sunday of Advent. I'm going to invite you all to stand and let's sing together. actually with me. I hint at the gifts, you know? I spill the beans and I ruin the surprise every year. But I can't help it. I love it so much. Mommy, I need you! I'm coming, sweetie! Spoiling the surprise kind of reminds me how God works. He likes to hint at big things. Like the way he hinted about that very first Christmas gift all those years ago. The Lord himself shall give you a sign, and the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. Yeah, he was preparing the gift, all right. God packed up the greatest gift that the world had ever seen. Not even he could keep it to himself. He gets me. And God didn't just let the surprise slip once. No, he let the cat out of the bag nearly 300 times in the Old Testament. We call them prophecies. But here's the big difference between God's prophecies and just spoiling a surprise. 
One is giving the gift early, but you don't get to open it. And the other is God giving us a gift of hope while we wait for Jesus to come. <laughs> Do you see it? He wasn't telling us a secret. He was making us a promise. Because we humans, three chapters into the creation story, we managed to mess it all up. Yeah, we needed saving. Desperately. So, God kept sending us hope through his prophets and messengers. And that hope was the gift of his son, the Messiah. And there will never be a greater gift than Jesus. And the cool thing is that hope isn't over. He promises to come again and take us all home. So the gift is just right there. The question is, will you accept it? The Gospel of John speaks of Christ as the true light coming into the world. In honor of that coming, we light candles for the four weeks leading to Christmas and reflect on the coming of Christ. It is significant that the church has always used that language, the coming of Christ, because it speaks to a deep truth. Christ is coming. Christ is always coming, always entering a troubled world and a wounded heart. And we light the first candle. The candle of hope as we express our longing for peace, for healing, and the well-being of all creation. May we take time in the busyness of this season for quiet reflection. And may we shine, shine the light of God's love everywhere. Let us be surprised by wonder and set aside time to offer quiet things. The good news of Advent is this. Christ is coming. Christ is always coming. We welcome Christ into our hearts. May we let ourselves be guided by his ministry as we go forth from this place in hope. Let us pray. Loving God, as we enter this Advent season, we ask you to show us the creative power of hope. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you and that we may walk in the light of Christ. In the name of the one born in Bethlehem, amen. Well, let's stand together again as we continue to worship.
Royal Guard still hold out. When someone takes an AK-47 and put it to your chest and cock it, you know that you're only one pull of a trigger away. Some people would say that my parents weren't very responsible parents for taking me to Kuwait where the Persian Gulf War broke out. Some people would say that's irresponsible to take your kids with you into your calling where there's so much suffering. But rather than it taking me further from God, it actually helped take me closer to God. Because one of the things I learned in an early age, God actually calls the people of God to move towards the hardest places of this earth. Nobody knew anything about Kuwait. It was just this little dot on this map in the Middle East. But three months later on August 2nd, 1990, Saddam Hussein and Iraqi troops invaded Kuwait and we were living right downtown. There were four sets of Iraqi troops that broke into our apartment. And as a 10-year-old, I just began like crying. And I didn't actually know if I was going to live. I didn't know if we were actually going to even make it through that day. We knew we had to leave quickly. Uh, I was held downstairs by gunpoint. But when I came back up the steps and we all jumped in a car and drove out of downtown. And there were Iraqi soldiers all around us. And we drove right through the middle of them as if God blinded them. And then we all gather into the American embassy. Within a few days, the embassy got locked down. They eventually turn off the water, the fresh water, and the and electricity to get us out. Heat was 120 degrees, no air conditioning. But the hardest part, I think, came six weeks later when uh, Laurie and uh, Peter and Aaron left the embassy. And I turned them over to Iraqi soldiers to take to, to the airport. Um, those are, are hard moments, even this been 30 years later. Because I want to live out God's call. And part of that living out that call is being connected to God's spirit. And what is God asking you to do? And is he big enough to take care of you? Or do you think you have to do it all yourself? That is the struggle of following God. And then turn to God, God, if my life is taken, are you going to take care of the boys? Are you going to take care of the wife? Can I trust you? What was going on in the background of the story that I didn't know was thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people were praying for me personally. My mom, my brother, and I now were back in Nashville living and it was coming up for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention puts together a week of prayer leading into this big offering every December. And there were literally millions of Christians all throughout the country that were praying specifically for my dad to be released. And it really wasn't real to me until I got on the plane in Baghdad that I was actually going to leave and survive and be home. It's not about me. It's about the millions of people praying and God doing a miraculous uh, event. I believe that God is looking for people who are willing to move towards the hard places and stay even when it's hard and trust that the Holy Spirit still speaks and confirms his promises in our lives.
just don't know how lucky we are. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us, dear Lord. Dear Lord, we just uh, praise uh, praise you. We don't know really how lucky we are, dear Lord, uh, to live in a country like we do. Dear Lord, uh, now we come to a time uh, just give a small gift back to you. Please use it in uh, uh, a way uh, back to your kingdom, dear Lord. Dear Lord, just uh, be with Tommy as he brings the message. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. <clears throat>
invite you to be seated. If you have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of Psalm, book of Psalms, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 46 this morning, Psalm 46, and while you're turning in your Bible, let me say thank you to all of those who have worked diligently to decorate our church. I know that uh, uh, you guys were... uh, here working this week, and it was greatly appreciated, and, and uh, so thank you so much for doing that. Look, everything looks wonderful. It, it helps uh, get us in the Christmas mood, and that is not always an easy thing for us to do, is it? There's just some years where the Christmas spirit, that, that it just comes so naturally that we just, we're, while we're putting up the tree and we're wrapping presents or shopping, it just... We're just enveloped by it. And then there's just some years we struggle and we, we push and we struggle and we push. And we just, we're trying to find that Christmas spirit. Uh, so we appreciate those who work around us, uh, whether it's through our music, through Advent, uh, lighting the Advent candles, decorating our church in different ways. Thank you for what you do to help us uh, in finding that Christmas spirit. Psalm 46 is where we're going to be today, and uh, do let me say this. One of the things that I started several weeks ago in our Youth Connect group is, uh, as I lead them this uh, right now, is we're going through a study called Right from Wrong. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you have youth, um, to have them as part of that study. I know if you talk to our youth, they go, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I like it or not. We got an old man teaching us and all that good stuff, but the idea behind the study is that our kids uh, are are forced to make at earlier and earlier ages moral decisions that will affect the rest of their life. Uh, the average age right now, where the uh, a child is experimenting with sex for the first time, is the age thirteen. So the whole purpose of that study is to work with our youth to help them be able to face those kind of choices and determine the right from the wrong. So we're working our way through that on Sunday mornings, and I want to encourage you to uh, uh, encourage your youth to be a part of that. Psalm 46, we're going to read the entire psalm, and I hope that you will... Read along with me as I, as I read that. Let's begin in verse number 1 in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Let's pray together. Lord, again, thank you for the privilege and the honor of being in this house of worship. Thank you for every person who has turned aside from such a a busy season and a busy schedule to be a part of our time of worship today. Lord, we pray for those who aren't here, those who desperately wanted to be able to be here, but their health would not allow them. We pray for those who are traveling, those, Lord, who are just simply uh, complacent. We, pl- we pray for each one, asking, Lord, that you touch their heart, let them know they're missed, that they're loved, that they're important to us as they are important to you. God, it's in our time of worship together, Lord, as we read your word and study your word. May the Holy Spirit of God, who, who moved upon the heart, the mind, and the hand of the writer of this psalm, now move upon our heart and our mind, that we may not only understand and comprehend, but, Lord, that your word will be engrafted into us, doing its perfect work to mold us, shape us, to be more like Jesus, to encourage those who are discouraged, to strengthen those who are weak, to heal those who are broken. Lord, let your word fulfill its mission today. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no secret as to what's going on in the nation of Israel, in the Gaza Strip, These days, it's on our televisions, it's on our news feeds constantly concerning the war that's taking place there. And I believe that this psalm speaks to how God guards His people, Uh, not just talking about, of course, believers, but even those who are uh, His chosen people, the Jews. But today, I want to look at Psalm 46 a little bit differently, rather than relating it necessarily to a, uh, an event that's taking place in the nation of Israel now. I want us to, to look at this psalm in light of what was going on when it was recorded, when it was written down for the very first time. Psalm 46 is actually a song that was written celebrating the deliverance of the nation of Judah from the hands of the Assyrian king, Sennacherib. Many people believe that this particular song was written by the prophet Isaiah as he served King Hezekiah during that time and as he was a witness to all that went on. 
and the story that or the event that takes place that this this psalm is speaking of is found in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. And we won't worry about going to that particular place right now, but we're going to reference it today. And I would encourage you at some point to go back and read that account, that historical account of how God intervened into the life of Judah to preserve them when all looked as if it was lost. And God stepped in on their behalf. 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19 tell us that Israel, uh, Jerusalem in particular, had been laid siege to by Sennacherib, the Assyrian king. And that night something amazing happened as, as, as God began to answer Hezekiah's prayer. We were told that the angel of the Lord killed 185 Assyrian soldiers that night and delivered Judah out of that siege. Many years later, Martin Luther actually used Psalm 46 as the basis for writing the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. In the midst of divine triumph, God speaks in this psalm and He says to those who read it as He said to Hezekiah during this event, Be still and know that I am God. Be still, quiet yourself. Pause for a minute. And and all that's going on and all the hustle, the bustle and all the worry and all the tension and everything else that goes with it, take a moment to just stop and be quiet. And in that silence... Know that I am God and I will be exalted in the earth. And I believe like Hezekiah, we must sometimes in the midst of our hustle and our bustle and in our, uh, our stressful way of life, we need to practice that pause that God calls for Hezekiah to practice. And in that silence, let God speak to us as He spoke to Hezekiah. So that's why we simply entitled what we're looking at today, The Silence That Speaks. I believe there's three truths that were revealed to Hezekiah as are reflected in this song that Isaiah, in working with and working beside this king, He penned the words of this song as he heard the heart of a king who had stilled himself and and been delivered. There are three truths that we can find in this psalm. First one being this, that we need to be still and know the sovereignty of God. 
We need to be still and know the sovereignty of God. I get it. There are times in this world, and especially uh, when we're looking at uh, conflicts around the world where uh, people are, lives are being taken and terrorists are doing their thing and militaries are on the march. It's, it's easy to feel sometimes that the world is in chaos and out of control. It is easy sometimes to, to look at what's going on in our own personal lives, whether it's in our relationships or, or, or through the, uh, the people that we are connected with and think that the world is just out of control and that there's chaos all around us. But even in the midst of those times when it seems that everything is in its worst way, we need to remember that there is a God of the Bible and a God of creation and He is still in control. He is still sovereign God. He is still the ruler, not only the creator, but sustainer of the world that we live in. Sennacherib was an extremely fierce warrior king. His desire was, as most tyrants are, for world domination. His desire was to conquer every nation and that all would be subject to him and his rule. And if we read the historical content found in Second Kings, we come to understand that no country and no walled city had been able to withstand his relentless attacks. He had been successful in his military campaign. He had conquered every city. He had dominated every other nation's military. And in the process, he had even laughed in the face of the gods that those nations and those cities said that they worshipped. He was not uncom- he was he was not unfamiliar with the the pagan gods and and as these cities these nations would would say we're we're depending on our god to deliver us. He would march in and conquer them and then laugh in the face of their false god because they were unable to preserve themselves. Sennacherib had declared that Jehovah God was no match for him. He had sent a letter to King Hezekiah and saying so much that you might as, you, you just might as well go ahead and surrender. You just need to go ahead and, and open your gates and let us come on in. Let's do this the easy way, not the hard way. And don't think that your God's any different than any other God. Don't think your God's going to deliver you from me because all the other gods weren't able to deliver their cities and their nations from me. And I am just as strong or more so than your God as I was all the others. So Hezekiah, just go ahead and open the gates. Let Put out the white flag. Let's do this the easy way. Let's, let's not worry about bloodshed. Let's not go through the all of the, the, the horrors of war. Just go ahead and surrender. Isn't that what it feels like sometimes that we're being told to do? When we find ourselves and our backs against the wall, doesn't the enemy come and start whispering to our heart, why don't you just give up? Why don't you just... Put out the white flag. Why are you trying to fight this? Why are you, why, why are you holding on to, to, to God whenever, whenever it seems that, that all the, the world is in chaos and all the gods they serve haven't been able to de- deliver them from this chaos? What makes you think that the God of heaven is going to deliver you 
You just need to give up. Why do this the hard way? Let's do this the easy way. And the Bible tells us that Hezekiah took the letter that Sennacherib had written and he laid it on the altar and he began to pray for deliverance. In fact, in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, it tells us that he prayed, Now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. You see, there was something different about this city than all the other cities that Sennacherib had surrounded. There was something different about this nation from all the others he had conquered. They served pagan false gods, non-existent deities. But now he was about to come up against and tangle with the God of heaven. The one who created all things, who simply with words formed mountains and simply with words cast stars into the skies and simply with words put the sun and the moon in the, in, in the cosmos and, and just with words he created all things. He, he's coming up against that God this time. And in the silence, as Hezekiah, Hezekiah is praying in the temple, He hears the Lord speak. God is your refuge and your strength. And he is a very present help. And in that moment, he was reminded once again that the God he served was sovereign. That the God he served was all powerful. That the God he served was all knowing. That the God he served was omnipresent and could be with him. He, he understood in that moment that there was something different about the God he was, he was crying out to than all the other gods that all the other kings had cried out to. He is praying to a sovereign God. And I want you to understand that when the world tells you you just need to give up and give in and quit trying so hard and just fly the white flag and lay down your faith and let the the world have its way, I want you to understand that as a child of the living God, you have a sovereign God. And there is no weapon that can be formed against Him that can prevail because He is sovereign. And He proclaims, I am God. In verse 8, He tells Hezekiah, Behold the works of the Lord. As He, as, as he tells Hezekiah, will you, will you just calm down? Will you, will you just take a breath? Stop for a second, Hezekiah. Just, just, take, a, just take a deep breath. In the silence, behold the works of my hands. As he, as he would have said, and as he did say to Job, who hung that star up there? Who put that moon in its orbit around the earth? Hezekiah, who hung that sun in the sky? Hezekiah, who made that mountain? Hezekiah, who, who formed that river? Hezekiah. Who created all of this? Be still and know that I've got this. I am God. 
In the silence, He calls for us to know His his sovereignty. He is the Lord God. But then there's a second truth that He reveals to Hezekiah. We find that in verses 8 and 9 of this Psalm 46. And not only just to know the sovereignty of God, He says, but be still and know the severity of God. Be still and know the severity of God. What are we talking about here? Listen, in verse number 8, he said, Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in fire. In other words, here's what he's saying, that all all that oppose me come to a different fate than those who oppose the false gods. Those false gods, those pretend gods, those made-up gods, those, those substitute gods, they could not do anything about the attack against them. But I promise you this, Sennacherib will not be successful against me. God exposes His wrath and His judgment upon those who choose to oppose Him. While Sennacherib had come to lay siege to Jerusalem, what Sennacherib did not understand was that he, his opposition was not King Hezekiah. His, his opposition was not the, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. His, his, his opposition was not an, an army of men, but his opposition was Almighty God. That's what he didn't understand. And, and what God is saying is, look, look how I have dealt with every other challenge. Look at how I have handled all the other opposition. Look at my record. Take a walk through history and, and look at how I have dealt with those who have opposed me and have, and have blasphemed my name. Yeah, they, they think they're tough, Hezekiah, but they don't know that I can I can make wars to cease. They don't know that I can break bows and they don't understand that I can cut the spear in two. They don't understand I'm the God who can burn chariots. And, and by the way, I can, I can drown them as well. Just ask an Egyptian king. They're underestimating me, Hezekiah. And as Hezekiah was praying that night, he not only heard the Lord say, I am a I am your refuge and your strength and your stronghold and a mighty help in times of trouble. He heard the the, the voice of God whisper to his heart in that silence. Just look at my record. Check my check my win loss column. See how see how I am undefeated in every way. If you really want to know Hezekiah how things are going to turn out, just just check out all the nations that I've laid waste to. And the Bible says that that night, and, and as I read that account in Scripture, I find that it tells me that there was only one angel sent, the angel of the Lord. It doesn't say it was a host of angels. It doesn't say it was an army of angels. It says the angel of the Lord came that night and slew 180 Five of Sennacherib's finest fighting soldiers. Because I, 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 do, do you see where I'm going with this? Sometimes the opposition looks so big and it looks so strong and it, and it looks so fierce and it looks so, 
undeniable that you can't you can't overcome it. You can't. It's just too big. There's no way you're going to win. And and they're telling you to surrender. Not only does God say, "Look at my sovereignty," but look at my severity. There's no one who's a match for me. All it takes is one angel to slow to to, to slay one hundred and eighty five thousand Assyrian soldiers, hey, folks. Can I tell you something? I, I don't think people understand just how powerful and mighty the God we serve really is, and He is severe in His dealing with opposition. Verse eight, He tells Hezekiah. I have wrought desolations in the earth. I've wrought desolations. Listen, there are cities, there are places that God has chosen to destroy in in, in the historical record of Scripture that man still hasn't been able to find a trace of because they have been so utterly and totally destroyed. No wonder Hezekiah could say, yes, Lord, you are our refuge and our strength and a very present help in times of trouble. God will oppose those who attack His children. God will oppose those who stand against Him and His will and His kingdom. God will oppose those who blaspheme His name. Be still and know the sovereignty of God. Be still and know the severity of God. But then lastly, he tells us in those last few verses, verse 10 and verse 11, be still and know the salvation of God. Know that there's a a positive outcome. He says to him, be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth and the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our stronghold. I want you to hear that by the time we get to the end of of this song, by the time we get to the end of what Hezekiah is sharing with the prophet Isaiah, he is he's uttering the words, we're going to come out okay. We're going to be all right. Our God is going to... to, to be victorious in this. We're going to make it. Can, can you hear the, the excitement in his voice as once he's, he, he's laid that, that, that letter down and he's begun to pray over it and he's saying, Oh God, we're in a mess. Help us out of this. And then as he, he settles his heart and he hear, hears God speak, suddenly his countenance changes and his heart lightens. And he says, the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our stronghold. We're going to be okay. The noise and the rush of life often robs us of seeing God's victories. Sometimes we are so, we are, we are so bombarded with the, the noise of the world around us that God just wants us to settle down. He wants us just to stop for a moment and be silent so that He can speak. I read the story of a farmer who'd never been to New York City, always wanted to go. His son had moved there right out of college and He'd become some big wig in some company up there and done very well for himself. 
over the years, he kept asking, Dad, come see me. Dad, come see me. Dad, come see me. And finally, the, the farmer decided, you know what? I'm getting older. I'm not always going to be able to make this trip. I'm going to do it now. So he, he buys a ticket, hops a plane, flies to New York City. His son greets him at the airport and takes his bags and they make their way to his son's house and they have a wonderful dinner together and the son proclaims, Tomorrow, son, uh, Dad, I'm going to show you the city. It's such a marvelous, marvelous place. You're going to love it. It's, it's, I mean, the lights, the, uh, the things that are here, you, you know, it's just amazing. Anything you could ever want, it's right here at your fingertips. Dad, you're going to love it. We're going to go see the city tomorrow. And sure enough, the next day, him and his dad began to, to walk down some of the busy streets in New York. And as they were surrounded by the throng of people that were going up and down the sidewalks as the, as the, Taxi cabs blew their horns and the, and the delivery trucks tried to make their way up and through the busy streets and all the noise that was around him. Suddenly the, the farmer stopped and he, he tapped his son. He said, you hear that? You hear that cricket? His son said, Dad, are you, are you kidding me? You're hearing a cricket in this? Do you, you not see what's going on around you? There are people... Walking, people talking, horns honking and trucks driving up and down the highway. There's the, the noise of a, a busy city that's alive with all that's going on and, and you hear a cricket? And he says, I'm telling you, son, I hear a cricket. And his dad began to kind of wander from one side to another of the sidewalk until he found a little planter that was right outside of one of the stores and and, and as he began to pull back some of the, uh, the covering around the bottom of that, uh, of that planter, he, sure enough, there was a cricket. And his son said, Dad, how in the world can you hear a cricket on a busy street in New York? And he said, son, it's all what you're listening for. It's all what you're listening for. That's what you hear. You're listening for the horns. You're listening for the crowds. You're listening for the trucks. That's what you hear. I'm listening for the crickets. And that's what I hear. Sometimes all we hear is the noise. And God says, will you just stop a minute? I got something I want to say to you that you can't hear until you pause and listen. I believe we're just sometimes... Missing God's works because we're so busy and so hurried and so worried. I believe sometimes we miss God's greatest victories because we're so distressed. You know, Hezekiah could have been busying himself preparing for battle. He could have been saying to his advisors, this is not going to be pretty. It's not going to end well, but we've got to go out with a fight. And so get, a, get the guys together, hand out the artillery. Let's get the chariots ready. We're, we're getting ready for war. Come on, let's psych them up. Let's, let's pump them up. Let's get the noise going. Let's, let's get everybody going, okay? Let's get them excited. We're going to war. He could have, couldn't he? Instead, he was silent. And as he did, he heard the voice of God say, I'm sovereign. I will deal severely with those who oppose me. And I will deliver you. Be still and know that I'm God. 
Here's how I want to close this out today before we go into our brief conference. What are you listening to today? Are you listening to the voices that are screaming, yelling, telling you how crazy you are to be a follower of Christ, how the God you serve is is not strong enough, big enough, smart enough? Are you listening to the voices of doubt and worry that scream in your own mind? Because things around you just seem to not be what they ought to be and you can't see a way out and even the obstacle itself is screaming at you to give up and give in and don't, don't try so hard and just step away. Maybe today you need to be still. You need deliverance. Be still and know that He's God. You need rescue. Be still and know that He's God. You, need, you just need rest. Be still and know that He is God. In just a moment, we'll stand together. We'll sing together. We'll have an opportunity to reflect on that which God has shown to us this morning. And, it, and maybe today's the day you need to practice that pause. You just need to hit a timeout. Oh, I know these next couple of weeks are crazy, aren't they? There's so many plans that have to be made. There's so many things that have to be done. There's so many people we need to see. There's so much that needs to be done. But maybe today, maybe today is the day we just need to go timeout, timeout. I want to be still and hear God today. What is it that He is wanting to say to you, he's just waiting for you to be quiet enough that he can say it. You can pray where you are. You can pray in this altar. Today may be the day that we just need to say, okay, God, I hear you. I I, I got it. I need to stop. I need to slow down, and I'm going to do that. Lord, what is it you have to say to me? God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in time of trouble. Be still and know that He is God. Let's pray. Father, You have words of help, words of hope, words of grace, words of peace, words of solace that You want to speak to our hearts. But Lord, sometimes the the noise is so loud the voices of doubt, the voices of fear, the voices of worry, they scream at us. The voices of the one who hates us so desperately, the enemy of our soul, he screams at us, give up, give in. You're all alone in this and he wants us to put out the white flag, swing open the gate and just surrender. Lord, may today be the day that we pause and be still and we know, not think or hope, but know that you are God. Speak to our hearts in these 
moments that we have left. It's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing together. so much. I'm going to ask you if you will to be seated for just a moment. It'll be very brief in our business conference. It won't take but just a couple of minutes.